You are listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Show, the leading word in pharmacy. You can find all of our episodes at www.pharmacypodcast.com. Hello, this is Jeff Hedges from RJ Hedges and Associates, and you're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast. Hey, pharmacy community, this is your host of the Pharmacy Podcast, Todd Yuri, and I'm here with a returning guest. Who I'm always excited to have on the show, a very important piece to the world of uh, our pharmacy industry and specifically running and owning your own pharmacy business, uh, Mr. Jeff Hedges with RJ Hedges and Associates. How are you doing today, Jeff? I am doing very well. Thank you. It's very good. So we, um, you and I have talked on the show a couple times about many facets of uh, the HIPAA Enforcement Act and what may be happening in pharmacy and compliancy and adherence programs. And um, so what I want to do first is just have you give us a summary to the world of, um, of pharmacy with regards to owning your own pharmacy business and uh, what you're seeing in the industry as, uh, as some challenges to pharmacy owners, what they need to be concerned about, and just an overview bringing us up to date as to uh, the state of RJ Hedges & Associates. So take it away, Jeff. Okay, thank you. Well, uh, the state of compliance uh, within pharmacy has gone off the deep end is the best way to describe it. Uh, the HIPAA compliance regulations came into effect last month for enforcement on September 23rd. Now, the Office of Civil Rights does have hundreds of uh, inspectors or so-called HIPAA police, and they are out enforcing the HIPAA compliance rules. Uh, we had seen a number of pharmacy inspections prior to September 23rd around the country. Uh, but now it seems like they've moved into the optometry area, the dentistry, uh, and chiropractor. Uh, those areas do have a lot of uh, issues that they need to address, and they have not been looked at in the past. But at this point, it seems that pharmacy um, enforcement has died down. Uh, with that. The other thing that's coming up uh, that took effect on October 1st is the, um, is the Part D auditors. Uh, Part D, uh, as everyone knows, is for your medication, uh, Medicare medications for seniors. And the auditors have been tasked by CMS that when they come in uh, starting in the fourth quarter, October 1st, that they have three main items that they want everyone to be, all the inspectors and auditors to look at. The first one is HIPAA compliance to ensure that the pharmacy has an updated policy procedure manual, has the updated um, HIPAA notice of privacy practice, as well as other support documents. Uh, the other thing is to fraud, waste, and abuse. Fraud, waste, and abuse has been around for a while, and every year in the fourth quarter, we get a, a letter from CVS, Caremark, and Humana, and everyone else, and where we have to certify that we have done uh, fraud, waste, and abuse training, and we have a fraud, waste, and abuse policy and procedure manual. We can use the one that the third parties offer. You can use ones that other entities provide, and also my company has a fraud, waste, and abuse program as well. Any of them are acceptable to be used. However, you must have annual training, and you must have documentation to show you have that. If you don't have the training, 
and you can't prove that you've been training over the years during an audit, the third-party auditor can uh, cite you, uh, cite the pharmacy. And at that point, uh, if they can determine that uh, number of years there was not, uh, no training was taking place, the auditors do have the authority to pull back the reimbursements for Part D that came through their entity. So that could be uh, devastating to the pharmacy if they have not done the training and certifications. The other item that started on October 1st was as Express Scripts came out uh, earlier this year with the requirement for um, monthly OIG exclusions. And it's, uh, um, it used to be an annual requirement. There are still some of the federal laws that still show uh, annually, but Express Scripts has pushed this through as a monthly requirement. With the, and not only do you have to do the OIG exclusion verification, but you also have to check the GSA database as well. You need to check your, all the staff, the owners, and as well as all your vendors and business associate agreement, or associates each year or each month to make sure that you have the OIG exclusions uh, taken care of. Now, this is a daunting area. Uh, one of the things we have done within our software is that we can do that uh, automatically. We had downloaded the databases twice a month, and it's simply a, a, a clicking on a verification button and then hitting print, and it prints out the report that the pharmacy needs. Uh, to show proof of, uh, of verification. So um, there's other entities out there that have similar things, but they're all paid for as an extra line item. But, um, but these are the main things that everybody needs to be addressing right now in the fourth quarter of 2013. So if you're listening, you're a pharmacy owner um, or someone in a management position within um, a pharmacy entity, um, you can get kind of an overview of these four items that Jeff um, reviewed. Notice of privacy practice, disaster recovery plan, uh, the risk analyst, and the risk management plan over at the RJ Hedges blog. Um, that's rjhedges.com, and it's at the blog section. Uh, Jeff, I like this because it keeps it kind of uh, simple for people that um, – are obviously running businesses that don't know exactly what the checklist needs to be, and you guys have it nicely outlined here. Well, thank you. We've worked hard to try to make it as simple as possible in a complex environment. So if I'm a pharmacy owner, Jeff, and I understand the uh, Affordable Care Act is obviously in, you know, in power, and uh, I'd like to know a little bit more, how does that affect me as a pharmacy owner? Uh, give our listeners a little overview of that, too. Well, the as you've ever, as everybody's listened on TV and the radio, um, the Affordable Care Act is a disaster in the making. Anybody that stands up and says that they know what's going to happen on January first is a damn fool. That's the best way to put it. Um, too many changes are coming. Uh, we're supposed to be looking at ad additional uh, reimbursement reductions come January first. Uh, there's no idea what they are, how drastic they will be or may not be. Uh, and this will affect Medicare Part D as well as Part B. And the third parties will follow suit after that. Um, if we follow the scenario from last year, they released the, um, 
the reimbursement rates on January 1st. So we'll have to wait to find out what's going to happen there. Um, folks are going to have uh, to have insurance right now, uh, have a high probability of not having insurance. Uh, a lot of people will be moving from either self-insured or their regular insurances into Medicaid, which will be another item we'll have to address next year once we see how that rolls out. So a lot of uh, things to be aware of uh, in the in the coming months, and uh, January is right around the corner. Um, you had also uh, talked with us um, before about um, pharmacy immunizations, and I wanted to kind of return to that. If you're a business owner, pharmacy business owner, um, what do we need to know to um, kind of get uh, the ability to be a provider of this in my community, in our communities? Okay. Well, every independent pharmacy should be doing immunizations just to be competitive. To get a, um, or to start doing immunizations, the first thing, you have to understand the state requirements for licensing. Most states will have a requirement that you have to go through the APHA's uh, training seminar for immunizations, have a CPR training as well as having policies and procedures for uh, for immunizations. Um, at that point, uh, if you're doing Medicare, CMS 855B is submitted to the local regional Medicare provider and they approve another PTAN number for that. The PTAN, once you receive that, you can administer vaccines uh, to your to your seniors. Once you get your license, you can do it as cash. You can do it for third parties for your local community. Um, it's a great way to receive money. The doctors are getting out of it because they have uh, had reimbursement cuts. Uh, pharmacies, it's a nice revenue source. And you're not limited to stay in the pharmacy. You can go into senior centers, into assisted living facilities. You can go into local businesses, uh, provide all their travel vaccines as well as uh, flu vaccines. And they're all means of, of getting into the community and showing the community that the independent pharmacist is alive and well and is taking care of the community. So that's good to know. There's uh, other other areas that you've made suggestions, um, some of the things that you're talking about um, before, um, as just ways of continuing to grow your independent pharmacy business. Therapeutic shoe policy and procedures um, give our uh, listeners, just an overview of that, too. Okay. Um, Dybeck Shoes is, a, is the only preventative, ma ma preventative uh, medicine that's uh, provided by CMS. Uh, Dybeck Shoes is a great source of revenue. Uh, we've uh, recommended Dr. Comfort Shoes in the past because they have a great training program. They have a great product. The Dybeck Shoes can be fitted in the pharmacy. Uh, in the same room that you do your immunizations, uh, it's a uh, you can dual use that room. With diabetic shoes, the patient has to have diabetes, and they have to have another underlying uh, uh, condition like neuropathy or poor circulation. Once the uh, patient has those conditions, they are permitted to get one pair of diabetic shoes per calendar year. So that means if you dispense a pair of shoes now in October, here at the end of October, there also can uh, the patient can also receive another pair of shoes in January. So shoes are a good source of revenue. 
Uh, doesn't take up a lot of room. Um, uh, the display rack is uh, can be either a display rack or play, shoes placed on the wall. And it's just a good source of income. To do diabetic shoes for Medicare, uh, you do need to be accredited. Uh, and you need to, uh, your Medicare application has to show that you're doing diabetic shoes, either non-custom or custom. If your pharmacy is exempt, all it requires, if you're not doing them, is to submit an updated 855S application to add diabetic shoes to your um, approved products. So that's a good note. Um, and I, uh, I wanted to just mention to the listeners once again, um, RJ Hedges and Associates, uh, easy to find uh, on the web at rjhedges.com. But, uh, Jeff, you're uh, round and about today. I know you're on your way to a, to a uh, presentation. You seem to be on the road a lot more and more, uh, which is good for obviously for business. It also shows that uh, we're getting a lot of uh, good feedback from uh, pharmacy owners who are making the necessary changes to ensure that they're not going to get into any, uh, any trouble when it comes to uh, the regulations that are out there. Uh, yes, uh, speaking engagements this year have gone through the roof uh, from previous years, and I'm on the road a lot. Um, we do presentations either through webinars, uh, podcasts like we're doing today, and live presentations throughout the country. So um, if, if you want to sign up for a webinar, um, Jeff, they can just go over to the website and sign up from there too, right? Yes, uh, there's a, go to the website, you can request a presentation or you can call into the office uh, and the number would be 724-357-8380 or email us at info at rjhedges.com. Very good. Uh, Jeff, I thank you for being on the show again today. It's always a wealth of information and um, uh, we wish you safe travels and we'll see you at the, at the next conference. Okay, sounds good. You guys have a great day, and thank you again. Thank you. We were on with Mr. Jeff Hedges with RJ Hedges & Associates, and we thank you for listening to the Pharmacy Podcast.